Amen. Praise the Lord. Well, I wonder if you're ready to hear the word today. Well, I'll give you 30 seconds to repent of that really wimpy amen. How many of you are ready to hear the word today? That's a little bit better. Miss Diane, come on up here. She's got a word she's going to deliver to us today. Let's give her a warm welcome. Thank you. Thank you. You got me. We weren't sure if there would be 10 people here or 30 people here. So thank you for, I don't know what that means, but there's more than 10. So thank you for coming out and uh, uh, being with us today. I love this place. I want to say hi. Where's the camera? Okay. I want to say hi to my good friend, Cindy. Hi, Cindy. I'm so glad you're watching. Cindy and I met in Vacation Bible School when we were little girls at Oneida Gospel Church in Grand Ledge. And uh, she, I always say she's my oldest friend, but she's not that old. She, I've just known her the longest. So uh, someday she's going to actually drive here. But uh, I am so glad that you're here. She has watched the live stream before, and she's uh, texted me or uh, messaged me and says, let me know when you're preaching because I want to I wanna watch. So, Cindy, she knew me way back when, before you guys did. And uh, I just, uh, I'm glad that she's interested in, in the church and the word of God and how God has changed my life. So I love you, Cindy. I'm glad that you're with us today. Amen. So um, Pastor Rick last week brought a powerful message. If you haven't watched it or heard it, you need to get on the website and watch it. He brought us the six mores for 2024, not to be mistaken with chocolate and marshmallows, but uh, you know, all across the nation, we have seen these pastors and and different ministry people saying God's got more for us in 2024 and I don't know maybe that's just because it rhymes but um, last week Pastor Rick talked to us about more personal health and uh, I am glad for one that he is um, seeking more personal health I am too I'm, I'm following his lead and uh I, I told him I'd be stuck home, you know, if he, if he didn't have the muscles to run that snowblower, I would not, I would go nowhere. And so I'm thankful that he is mindful of his health. And so today I want to talk to you about more of God's presence in your life. And, you know, we just had a, a powerful worship service, and uh, we're going to get talk more about that in a little bit. So I brought my giant Bible. Um, this is large print for old people. And uh, so if you don't have a Bible, let us know. We'll make sure you get one. A lot of times I use my Bible on my phone. I've got about, you know, five different, well, every translation under the sun you can get on a Bible app. And uh, Pastor Rick always used to say a short pencil is better than a long memory. So for many, many, many years in church, we all took notes. Do you remember that? Remember that if you remember taking notes. Where are all the people who took notes? There's only a couple. Okay, there you go. See, why? Because we wanted to remember the things that we were learning. And uh, so that, for me, so I could go back in my own time at home and kind of look back over those scriptures and, and um read over what was said and kind of try to dig through it for myself so that I could learn and grow. And I just, it would be nice if we could get back to that, I think. And I know that a lot of you have been here for a long time and you, you know, you've read the word a lot, but um, we, we should never stop, right? There's so much to learn. And I'm going to talk about that, but first I want to tell you something funny. A couple weeks ago, um, I woke, well, I went to bed at night, and I had this song playing in my head. Has that ever happened to you? All night long, this song was in my head. And when I got up in the morning, it was playing again. And I don't know where it came from. Obviously, I heard it somewhere. But it was this song that says, I only talk to God when I need a favor. God, I need a favor. Do you know who sings that? Jelly Roll. Jelly Roll. You know, somebody called me Jelly Belly one time, and I didn't like that very much. 
And, and I don't follow Jelly Roll. So I don't know why this song was playing over and over in my head. I only talk to God when I need a favor. It just kept playing, and I just kept, I was fighting it. I was like, no, that's not true. That's not true. So I changed the words to, I only talk to God when I need a Savior, because that's true, because I need a Savior every day, right? But um, then the next week, this happened on Sunday, Sunday morning. So then the next week, I get up, and all the way to church, I got this song playing in my head. And I, didn't, I don't think I talked to Rick about it. I, I thought about asking him to turn on the radio so I could get rid of it. Because the song that was playing in my head was, I got a heart like a truck. <laughs> well, how does it go? I had to write this down. It's been drugged through the mud. You know that song? Laney Wilson sings it. I'm like, why is this song playing in my head? I don't have a heart like a truck. It hasn't been drugged through the mud, not for a long, long time. I think that one came from watching the Nashville New Year's Eve bash or something like that. But, you know, I started thinking about um, this question. I wanted to pose it to you. Who are you listening to? Because whoever you're listening to, it's going to stick with you, and it may pop up when you least expect it. I don't know where I heard Jelly Roll, but obviously I did. I know where I heard Lainey Wilson, but I, and this morning on the way in, that song's playing again. I got a heart like a truck. You know, if I listen to continual country music, which I like, um, I don't know, my, my life would look different, I think, because so many of those songs are, are sad, they're depressed, let's go to the bar. And, uh, you know, I, I know that a lot of those guys own bars, so they want you there, but... Um, who are you listening to? Because you'll be influenced by that. And what do you meditate on? So many people nowadays, I think, meditate on social media or the things that you read on social media. That's what's consuming our minds, our thoughts, and, and our energies. We're thinking about all these things that we've heard on social media. Um, <clears throat> and it's so easy to get led astray in your thoughts. Do you know that? So many years ago, oh, well, I don't know, maybe 10, there was a song that came out by Casting Crowns. You heard of them? Christian group. They, they did this song called Slow Fade. I don't know if you've ever heard it, but from the very first time I heard this song, I knew that people needed to listen to it. There was a message there that I knew people needed, and I knew who some of the people were. And I wanted, I wish that I had had a platform or an opportunity to preach a message from that song because it was true. And I'm going to read you a, a little bit of the lyrics. I, I love this song. I think it's a great song, but the lyrics will minister. Listen to this. It goes like this. Be careful, little eyes, what you see. It's the second glance that ties your hands as darkness pulls the strings. Be careful, little feet, where you go, for it's the little feet behind you that are sure to follow. It's a slow fade. This is the chorus. It's a slow fade when you give yourself away. It's a slow fade when black and white have turned to gray. And thoughts invade, choices are made. A price will be paid when you give yourself away. People never crumble in a day. It's a slow fade. It goes on to say, be careful, little ears, what you hear. When flattery leads to compromise, the end is always near. Be careful, little lips, what you say. For empty words and promises lead broken hearts astray. It's a slow fade when you give yourself away. It's a slow fade when black and white turn to gray. Thoughts invade. Choices are made. A price will be paid when you give yourself away. People never crumble in a day. It's a slow fade. Here's the bridge. The journey from your mind to your hands is shorter than your thinking. Be careful if you think you'll stand. You just might be sinking. It's a slow fade when you give yourself away. People never crumble in a day. Families never crumble in a day. It's a slow fade. 
you know, there's ministry in songs that will help us. And, and I knew people when this song came out whose lives were crumbling. And I, I wish that they were listening to some of the things they should be listening to and be influenced by instead of maybe what was playing in their head. You know, it's a new year, and we're all kind of starting over. We reset. We hit reset on the, at the first of the year. Some people make um, resolutions. Most people don't because we never keep them, uh, even more than a few days most of the time. But it's okay to start new habits. It's okay to reset. It's actually even good for us. Um, last week, Pastor Rick talked about body, soul, and spirit such a basic teaching from the Word of God, but so powerful and something that you need to know, that you are a spirit that has a soul, that lives in a body. And um, it's important. It's important. His commitment to, to changing his personal health, it's important because we're getting older and uh, we want to finish the race. Um, We want to do everything that God has called us to do, and we don't want any of our days to fall to the ground. I pledged after, you know, I broke my arm and um, suffered for a while, and and coming out of that, I pledged that I'm not going to grow old before my time because God has work for me to do. God has life for you to live, people to influence, things to say and do and smile and people to help. Um this time of year, we kind of do that reset where we're going to start taking things more um, uh, carefully and being, being more proactive and being more committed to what we're going to do. I mean, I think on J- January 2nd, we went to Myers to pick up a prescription and right inside the door is all the yoga pants and the yoga shirts. I mean, the I'm sure you've been hit with it on your social media, every diet out there, every vitamin pill, every exercise program. It's because we reset at this time of year, and I think it's a good thing. The other time of year that we do that is in September a lot of times. I know I do. When the kids go back to school, I kind of always settle into, okay, it's time for me to learn something. I want to grow. I want to learn, and I don't know if you feel that way or not, but start to refocus. Um, I saw a post on social media. I don't know who it was, somebody I didn't know. But this young girl posted that for this year, we're going to focus on this thing. And she, she said this, John 14 and 6. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And that is their focus. Now, he also went on to say, no one comes to the Father except through me. He was teaching his disciples that he's the truth, he's the way, he's the life. And this young girl with young family, young kids, she said, this is what we're going to focus on this year. And I thought that that was so cool. It actually um, kind of compelled me to um, write this message, I guess. Um, That's kind of where I started. Um, you know, the world doesn't recognize Jesus as the truth. They don't know what the truth is. Everybody's got their own truth, and, you know, anything goes, right? And, you know, we can't really blame them because the Bible tells us in 2 Corinthians 4 and 4, or start with verse 3, it says, Even if our gospel is veiled, it's veiled to those who are perishing. The God of this world has blinded the eyes of unbelievers so that they cannot see the glorious light of the gospel. So when people who don't know Jesus, you know, don't get upset with them. Their eyes are blinded. They can't see the glorious light of who he is and what he brings to our life because their eyes have been blinded. So, you know, one of Pastor Rick's points was we need more salvations. And, you know, uh, Pastor Rick uh, just finished uh, the Billy Graham School of Evangelism. And I don't know if you've noticed, but he's uh, um, on a mission to get some people saved. And, you know, why? Not, not to build the church, not to build our house. Sure, we want to build a kingdom, but we all know people whose lives are just being destroyed. They don't know the truth. They, don't, they, don't, they can't find the truth in, in, in uh, the, the media that is out there. It's really hard to find the truth, isn't it? 
you know, I was thinking about the fact that the world that we live in, it's full of slants. People lean one way or another. There's all these slants. To be slanted means to lean in a particular direction. You view information from a particular angle, or this is from the dictionary, or to, to diverge from the vertical. So if the truth is vertical, everybody's got a slant or a bias. They, they lean one way or another based on information, you know, based on their experiences, what not, whatever it may be. Every person on social media has a slant. The news media has slants, of course. We know that. You might call it a bias. Um, and it causes you to view information from a particular angle. And it's probably not vertical. Um, <clears throat> I've been told, I just heard this the other day. They couldn't print it if it wasn't true. My, somebody told me, you know, 20 years ago, well, I read it in Rolling Stone magazine, and you know they couldn't print it if it wasn't true. And I hope that you know that that is an absolute lie. Free speech is everywhere. You can say anything you want. It doesn't have to be true. And people are spouting all kinds of stuff that has no truth to it. You need to understand that, that, you know, the things that we read about on social media, a lot of it is not true. How many of you have tried a vitamin, a face cream, a something or other that was purported to be the next best thing, and you thought, well, I got those things, so maybe this will fix me? Yeah, I fall for that a couple times. Every single time, it did not work. Now I'm just a skeptic. You know, I'm like, oh, yeah, how stupid do we look, you know? We've tried the vitamins. Pastor Rick said last week in his message about more personal health, he said, I hate to break it to you ladies, but there is no such thing as anti-aging. You know what stops aging? Death. Nothing else stops aging. <laughs> And so we don't need to, to, to be sucked in and taken over by all these things that are not truth. Now, I'm not saying that, you know, there isn't something out there that works, but I am saying everything I've tried so far hasn't worked. In fact, did you know that you've been profiled on your news media, in your social media, you've been profiled based on your slant? And so you receive information that feeds your particular slant. And um, your preferences are tracked, and you've, you are marketed options based on your slant. I'm sure that you know this, right? Are you aware? You are marketed based on your slant. You know all you got to do is talk to somebody with your phone in the room about something, and next thing you know, here come all the ads for that, you know. Um, We form opinions, we form our opinions based on the information that we receive. And it's why, this happened a lot in 2020 during COVID, it's why you receive all this information and you develop this strong opinion about something that you think is truth, because I mean all the information is lining up, right? And then you meet somebody else who has a different slant than you, and they, and they and they start speaking things, and you're like, what the heck is wrong with you? Don't you know? Don't you know what I know? And no, they don't. Because they've been fed according to their slant. This is how we keep division alive. There's slants in every form of media. And, and we're shocked when other people don't understand what we understand but they haven't been fed the same information that you've been fed. This is the age that we live in. I watched the year in review, um, probably maybe up to New Year's Eve or just after the year in review, 2023 in review. I watched it on ABC, NBC, CBS, Vox, Time, all these different stations, and they all had the same thing to say, but they all had a different person to blame 
for these same things. They talked about earthquakes and floods. This was our year in review for last year. Earthquakes, floods, war, global warming, the economy, strikes, corruption, AI, wildfires that, that caused our atmosphere to be smoggy from Canada, from Hawaii, migrants crossing the border, mass shootings, all of these news items came across all of our devices, but based on who you're listening to, there was a little different slant. I just heard the other day that the Republicans have opened wide the border for migrants by the thousands to rush in. And I'm like, well, that's a new one. I hadn't heard the Republicans being blamed for that yet, but according to your slant, you're fed information. Okay, I'm going somewhere with this. In, in 2020, Netflix did a documentary, and maybe you've seen it, Pastor Rick and I watched it. It was called The Social Dilemma. If you haven't watched it, look it up. It was very interesting. It was a series of interviews with Silicon Valley engineers who designed the technologies that they now fear. It, it's an education in the manipulation of tech companies to produce a certain outcome addiction or bias. Do you know that the things we are addicted to were made to be addictive? They were made to catch us. There are properties in the things that we are addicted to that have been targeted to be addictive so they can sell more product. So let's look at the word of God. Jesus said in the chapter of, not, of John, book of John, chapter 18. This was when he was brought before Pontius Pilate before he was um, crucified, before he was beaten. And, and the Jews, you know, uh, were there and they were all screaming and uh, uh, Pontius Pilate was trying to determine what did he do? And he listened to the people and then he talked to Jesus and he said, I, I find no fault in him you deal with him. And they said, no, we want you to deal with him. Crucify him. And Jesus said in chapter 30, or verse 38 of chapter 18, uh, actually, it was Pilate who said this, what is truth? He asked Jesus, and Jesus answered him and said, I've come into the world to testify to the truth. They responded, um, well, I, I missed the rest of it. Let me back up. In John 8, 31, Jesus said to the people who believed in him, he said, you are truly my disciples if you remain faithful to my teachings, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. And they said, we're sons of Abraham. We've never been slaves. How can you say that we'll be free? They didn't understand what he was trying to tell them about the truth. You know, we sang about freedom and how important it is for us to be free from the slants, from the biases, from the misinformation. We need the truth. We need to be free so that we can do the things that God has called us to do. I remember coming out of a women's ministry meeting one time, and this young girl walked up beside me as we were leaving, and she looked at me, and she said, I can't wait till I'm like you. And I said, me? What do you mean? And she said, free. I guess I looked free. I am free. God wants you to be free. Jesus wants all of us to be free. He wants us to be free to know the truth. And um, he's done nothing to, to keep us in the dark. So how do we remain vertical in the midst of all these slants? Well, Pastor Rick has come up with six things that we can do, six ways that we can have more of God's presence. We can see more people come into the kingdom. We can have better, long-lasting, healthy life. Um, we can make disciples. That's what we're called to do. Um, we can crucify, crucify more areas of our flesh. You know, one day I was, I was at a four-way stop, and, and this girl walked in front of me, and I was stopped. I don't know what her problem was, but she flipped me off, you know. And, and I just looked at her, and I thought, oh, my Lord, that girl, she is so bound. And, and she doesn't even know it. 
She doesn't even know that she could be freed. That if she knew the truth, the truth could make her free. And she could be happy. There's a whole lot of people like that. So I decided to, to pick on um, a portion of um, Pastor Rick's message from last week um, about the, the six mores that you can have in your life. And I decided to, to focus on more spiritual depth. And I have three points, so I won't be here all day. Um, but I wanted to share with you three points that are going to bring more spiritual depth into your life. And the first point is your Bible. Your Bible, not mine. Your Bible. Okay? Um, I'm 65 years old. And for the first 30 years of my life, I, I did not follow Jesus. I was doing my own thing, going my own way. I lived a self-centered life, and I was on a path of self-destruction. I didn't know what I didn't know was killing me. And I was going to destroy myself. That's the path that I was on. I started drinking and smoking at 16, and I kept it up for a whole lot of years. I did all kinds of things that I'm not proud of. I'm not here to, you know hang out my dirty laundry, but I just, I want you to, I want you to see the difference between life walking with God and life walking without him. See, I was on my own path, doing my own thing, trying to figure out what I was supposed to be when I grew up. I didn't have a clue. I wished I had known that I didn't have to know that God knew, and if I just stay close enough to him, I'd be, a, he, he would tell me. The Bible says he orders our steps. So if I would have just stayed close enough to him, he would have told me what the next step was. I had not, I did not know the truth. So I was just calling my own shots, doing my own thing. I got into a lot of trouble. I hurt a lot of people. I spent some time in jail. I became addicted to alcohol. I uh, struggled. I fought my way out of alcoholism. I spent years where I had blackouts I'd wake up and think where the heck am I and how'd I get here and I'd always run to the window and to see if my vehicle was there because I drove I was on a path of destruction not only for myself but anybody the people that were around me and when I turned 30 I met my husband in a bar he was the lead singer in a rock band, and uh, I gave him my phone number, and he told me if he was ever strolling down through the M's in his little back black book, maybe he'd call me. Um, isn't that awful? You should be ashamed of that. That was a terrible pickup line. And, you know, we, we dated for like a year, and then we got married. We eloped. And uh, I got pregnant on our honeymoon. And so we're going to have a baby. At 30 years old, I had my first baby at 30 years old. And, you know, as, as easy it was for me to destroy my own life, once I knew I had a child, I knew my life had to change because I wasn't going to drag her through the mud. And uh, so we gave our lives to Jesus. We were a mess. And we didn't know how to get on messy. But we knew that he would see us through. We knew that Jesus was the way, the life, and the truth. He was the plumb line. You, you guys who do um, construction, you know what a plumb line is. It's a weight on a string that you hold to, to make sure that things are straight. His, he's, he became our plumb line, and we had a whole lot of adjusting to do to try to get things right. I guess it's human nature to want to do things your own way. But the truth teaches us that human nature is the path of destruction. It's actually sin nature. It's that sin nature that will destroy you if you don't get a hold of it. So... Um, reading the word became our lifeline. Reading the word, going to a church where some people could teach us because I did not know 
what any of this meant or how to read it. Of course, I probably had a King James Bible or something I couldn't understand, but we began to read the word, um, and our lives began to change. There is so much good stuff in your Bible. And I know that a lot of you, ladies especially, have got, you got devotionals or you got new uh, books or something to read maybe at Christmas time or maybe that's how you're starting out this year or maybe you've made a commitment to pick up your Bible and to read it actually. You don't really know where to start or what to do. I just, I, and I'm glad that you're, you know, reading Bible studies, doing devotions, those things will help you. But don't let it take the place of reading your Bible. There's so much in here. And first of all, you need to get a Bible you understand, okay? So you could get, I think the first Bible uh, Rick bought me in 1993 was an NIV. Um, after that, we get, I get a new one just about every year. This one is an NLT. It's got um, words, uh, giant letters for people who can't see. And um, I have the Passion Translation. I've got the Message Translation. I've got uh, NASB. I got an Amplified Bible for Christmas. I don't care what version you use. Just get one that you can understand. Now, this is NLT, and you know what I like about it? They've changed things like cubics and measurements and everything. They put it in feet and inches. Instead of talking about the month of Havilah or whatever, they say it was around May or August, the 15th, you know, so it's easier to understand. So I read my Bible, and I want to encourage you, I'm here today to encourage you, if you're a brand new Christian, start reading in the New Testament, because that is the new covenant that we have with Jesus Christ. That is the New Testament, it's the new covenant, it's the covenant that the agreement, a covenant is the agreement that we live under. But if you've, once you've read that, go back to the Old Testament. There's so many good stories, and they're just in the very first chapter in Genesis. You're going to read about the creation. You're going to read about the first family. You're going to read about uh, Noah and the ark. You're going to read about the 12 tribes of Israel, how they came to be, where they came from. You're going to read about Joseph. There's so many good stories in there that, you just need to read. The Old Testament, I have found, is, is um, a compilation of story after story after story of God's faithfulness. God's people went one way. He rescued them. He brought them back. Sometimes they went rogue again. He rescued them. Over and over and over and over, story after story after story of people's lives. They had trouble. It was a bloody time. I thank God we don't live uh, in Old Testament days in that culture. There was wars. There was so much going on. But um, God rescued his people over and over and over and over. If I was doing a book report on the Old Testament, that would be my summary. God loves his people. He loves all people. And those who receive him and follow him, he leads them. And when they go astray, and they always do, he brings them back. He doesn't get behind him and kick him in the butt like my earthly father did sometimes. He doesn't drag him by the arm. He's a gentleman. The Holy Spirit is so kind and so loving. He will woo you from where you are to where he's taking you. And he won't, he won't be mean along the way. He will be so kind to you that his love will draw you. He'll rescue you when you're in trouble. He rescued his people from slavery and then had to listen to them whine and murmur and complain. You know, there are stories I will tell you. He got perturbed. But he rescued them again and again, and, and he will do it for you. There are are, uh, you know, they asked for a king. And, and the, the prophet Samuel said, well, God is our king. Well, we want a king like everybody else. And Samuel said, it won't, you won't enjoy it. He'll rule over you. He'll take half your stuff. He'll take your good fields. He'll take your money. He'll take your children. But no, they want a king anyway. And so he gave them what they asked for. 
and it didn't work out so well every time. But yet every time, God rescue, he was there. Not often do we get to see a glimpse of the whole of a person's life. You might know somebody for a, a section of time. You might read a biography. You might even read a memoir. But <clears throat> we don't always get to see the whole of a person's life from beginning to end. But in the word of God, you do. You get to, you get to know these people. You get to understand maybe a part of what they're thinking. Sometimes you're like, what are you thinking? But you get to see the results of, of their lives, their, the result of following God and being obedient to what he calls you to do, and also the result of not following God and kind of venturing out on your own. <clears throat> their lives are examples for us to follow. In the book of Chronicles, which is uh, the history um, of what had taken place prior, you, the, the word of God is not in chronological order. So you might read something, especially in Chronicles, you, you'll read it and you think, gosh, that sounds familiar. I think I've already read this. Well, you have because it's just a record of what had taken place during the time. So remember that when you're reading Chronicles, but... <clears throat> I read the story of uh, David wanted to bring the Ark of the Covenant, which was God's presence, into, he wanted to build a building for God to reside in. And God said, I never asked for a building. I don't need a building. Uh, uh, you know, he led the people. Uh, they had a tent for the Ark of the Covenant. They try, David tried to bring it into uh, Jerusalem, but they didn't obey. They didn't do it God's way. People died. He tried again uh, because he really wanted the presence of God to be where he was at. And uh, they had left it in the field of Obed-Edom, who actually prospered because God's presence was there. Do you know that when you're in the presence of God, your life will prosper? So David was more careful the second time. Um, they celebrated. They brought God's presence into Jerusalem, and they celebrated huge. Um, the Bible says that David gave every man and woman in all of Israel a loaf of bread, a cake of dates, a cake of raisins, every person. It was a huge celebration because the presence of God was with them again. After that, they became unfaithful to God. And once again, they went into slavery for 70 years. I'm just kind of giving you a little summary of the Old Testament. I want you to read it because there's so many stories in there that you have never heard. There are examples that you've never seen. And if, and if you haven't read it because you're like, I don't understand that, I don't get it, get a different version of the Bible. Get, read it in the message. You'll be able to understand that. And there's so much that will bless you. Even the most faithful men had trouble. Some of them turned their backs on God. Sometimes there were, sometimes they got mercy. Sometimes their lives were altered by the consequences. Sometimes they didn't teach their children and the next generation walked away from God. The whole book is stories of imperfect people serving a perfect God. Because God is always faithful to us even when we are unfaithful to him. He'll never leave us. He'll never turn his back on us. You may think he's being silent, but he's still working. He's always faithful. And don't ever think that the Bible doesn't answer my specific questions. Like, specifically, this is what I need. There's no stories in there about, you know, putting my kids in daycare, right? But the Holy Spirit lives on the inside of you. That's part of the new covenant. And the Holy Spirit is on the inside of you. The Spirit of God is on the inside of you to lead you, guide you, correct you, to, to, um, to speak to you, to help you. And, you know, Jesus drew away from his disciples often to pray to the Father. Now, he didn't go to recite scripture to say any fancy um, 
things that he had memorized, he went to talk to God. And he even said to God, Father, if there be any other way, let this cup pass from me. Well, that was pretty personal, don't you think? Yet, not my will, but your will be done. I'm here to tell you that God will answer your personal questions, your personal prayers. There's scripture in the Bible that says you have not because you ask not. When you ask, you ask with the wrong motive. So I, I want to encourage you to ask God some questions. Get into your Bible. And if you need help getting one you can understand, let me know. If you want more spiritual depth, you need to spend time with the one who lives inside of you. That leads me to point number two. Am I out of time? Almost. Your prayer. If you want more of God's presence in your life, you've got to talk to him. Your prayer doesn't have to be anything fancy or eloquent. It's just conversation. If I never talked to my husband, we'd have no relationship whatsoever. If I only talked to him when I needed a favor, our relationship would be a little askewed, wouldn't it? Jesus was praying in a certain place one day. And uh, when he finished, his disciples said to him, they said, Jesus, teach us to pray. John taught his disciples. And Jesus taught them how to pray. And I, I want you, if you don't know the Lord's Prayer, I want you to learn it. Because Jesus said, when you pray, say this. We ought to listen to that, don't you think? Now, a lot of us, when we were kids, we learned the Lord's Prayer. I think the Catholic Church maybe calls it our Father or something. I don't know. All I know is this. The truth of the Word of God says that Jesus said when you pray, pray like this. That doesn't mean you can never say anything else. But I'm wondering, and I don't know if it's for this time and season, but it may be. I'm wondering how many people actually pray the way that Jesus taught us to pray. He said, our Father who art in heaven hallowed be your name that word hallowed it's not a word that we use but it means holy special awesome reverent to be worshipped holy is your name um, worthy of spiritual respect and devotion awe inspiring your kingdom come that's something we're all waiting for right for Jesus to return your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I pray that all the time. Father, let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Not the will of our politicians or, or the will of our, our leaders, our teachers, but your will, Father, let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I think that's a powerful thing to pray. Give us our daily bread. Jesus said, don't worry about tomorrow. So how about we just say, God, what I need for today could I have what I need for today? I trust you to give me what I need for today to bring it. And forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sins against, uh, sin against us. Now, a lot of different versions use different words. They might say, forgive us our debts, forgive us our trespasses. But um, in common English, what it means is forgive us our sins as we forgive others who sin against us. We've got to be a repentant people who are sorry for the things that we do that are wrong. And to let those that have wronged us off the hook. Lead us not to tempt into temptation, but deliver us from evil. I've been praying this so much in the last year. Deliver us from evil because I see so much evil on the face of the earth. All you've got to do is, is spend any time focusing on what's happening around, not just in our country now, but around the world. And we can pray, God, deliver us from evil. Deliver us from the evil one. If you would pray this prayer as Jesus taught us to pray, maybe we'd see some things happen. Maybe we'd see God move. Maybe we'd see some of the changes that we're looking for. Would you pray this with me this year? When you think of it, pray the way that Jesus taught us to pray. And if you don't know the Lord's Prayer, learn it. And if your kids don't know it, teach it to them. Because most of us adults might say, I know I would, I learned it as a child. But people who maybe found the Lord later in life, 
Maybe they didn't learn it. And so we need to talk to him. We need to tell him what, you're, what we're thinking. We need to pray the way that he taught us to pray. And we can pray about our personal situations and expect that he will address those needs. Number three is our praise. And um, I'm going to try to wrap this up quick because we had an amazing time of um, praise and worship today. Your praise is um, something that's important. Your praise, the Bible teaches us in um, Psalms 22.3, it says that God is enthroned in our praises. That means that he's lifted up, that when we praise God, he's lifted up. He's set on a throne. He's enthroned in our praises. The New King James Version says that he inhabits our praises. And praise is a verb. Inhabits means to, to live or to occupy. So if you are uh, praising God, he's going to come and occupy that space. Praise, if you could remember that your praise is a verb. If you remember fifth grade English, a verb is something you need to do. It's a doing word. You do it. Praise is, is something to do. It's something that we need to do. Praise is not merely a song service. It goes way much deeper than that. It means to express something. This is what you do. When you praise, you're expressing something. You're expressing your admiration to God. And he inhabits that. That's why we had such a powerful music uh, set this morning. It was more than a music set. It was deeper than a song service because we were doing something. We were praising him. We were uh, um, lifting him up with our praise and expressing our admiration to God. Now, worship is a noun. It's a thing. Worship is the feeling or expression or, uh, of reverence and adoration. Worship is a feeling. It, it's, your praise is something that you do, and it causes the atmosphere to be changed. I don't know how many of you felt that changed atmosphere in this place this morning, but I did. The atmosphere was changed because we were lifting him up, and he inhabits that praise. It's more than just singing a song. You have to make some effort. You have to make some effort. It's not just going to happen. Praise and worship is not only found in church. In fact, it's not found in some churches. Some churches maybe just have a song service. But if we will do our part and we will, we will do the verbing, the doing, we will lift him up, the atmosphere will be changed. That's a thing. That's a, it's a tangible thing. Maybe you can't see it, but you can feel it. You will have to make some effort. It won't just happen naturally. You can sing songs without expressing anything. I shared with you um, last week, or I don't know, one day, um, about um, three concerts that Pastor Rick and I watched um, after the first of the year, I think it was, maybe on the first or the second. Cece Winans, have you ever heard her sing Believe For It? It is anointed. She lifts him up and the atmosphere has changed. You, you need to put it on and listen to it. We watched a concert of, uh, with her and her friends, and uh, it was kind of a smaller venue, and the atmosphere was changed in our living room because the presence of God was there. We watched a concert with Michael W. Smith. There were tens of thousands of people there. As a matter of fact, it was a, a round stage, and I don't know if it moved or whatever, but people were kind of facing in all the directions because there were thousands in that place all the way around, and they were lifting up our Lord and Savior. They were lifting up the name of God, and, and they were doing the doing, and the atmosphere was Powerful. It was so thick. We could feel it in our living room. The presence.
presence of God was there. You want more presence of God in your life? Think about praising, which is your verb to do. And worship. In that admiration, the atmosphere has changed. And it will affect your life. It's why people come to the altar during praise and worship. You know, the next concert was a Bethel praise band. Some of those songs they wrote, I never even heard them before. But Jesus was there. He was lifted up and the atmosphere was changed. They were expressing their adoration and we could feel him in our living room. Why? Because he inhabits praise. I did not realize how much I had been missing that feeling until we watched those concerts. They sang old songs. They weren't even my favorites. But the presence of God was there in that song service. It was more than a song service because their hearts were ablaze. They were doing the doing. They were praising him. And he showed up. What I wouldn't have given to been there. But I didn't have to go. I was sitting in my jammies on the couch, and the presence of God was in my living room. See, it's up to you and me to have more of God in 2024. I keep hearing people saying, God's doing a new thing. God's going to do this or that. I, I'm sorry. Maybe I'm old. But I've been hearing people saying, oh, just wait. God's going to do it. And I just happen to think that God's waiting for us to do something. I think he's done everything he was going to do. I think he's waiting for us to rise up. Right? The Holy Spirit lives on the inside of us. Let's let him rise up. How do we do that? We got to die to ourselves. We got to get vertical. We, we got to get vertical with the truth and not be misled by every little whim. And, and you know what? If you follow the slants, you're going to get angry and you're going to be confused. And you might just throw your hands up in the air and say, What does it matter? I can't change this but God can change anything right and you know I found in my life that he changes me from the inside out if you're trying to change yourself on the outside let God get on the inside of you and change you from the inside out because that's where lasting change actually comes from so something for you to think about I want you this year, if you would, you, you don't have to, I can't make you, and the Holy Spirit won't make you. What about your Bible? Not mine, yours, your Bible. Get one you can read, and read the stories. There's so much, it's so good. I could tell you the whole Bible, probably, because I've been reading it for 35 years, but you know what, every time I read it, it's still so good. And I'm, I forget stuff all the time. Don't forget to pray. Talk to him. Talk to him. He wants to talk to you. I, I write in a prayer journal some mornings, and I'm like, Lord, here I am. And, he's, and, I, and I just, I always sense his joy that I've sat down to meet with him. He loves to talk to me. And don't forget about your praise, your praise. See, it's not all on the praise team to break open the heavenlies in our lives. Now, hopefully, they're going to enter in. They're going to lift him up, and the atmosphere is going to be changed. And that happens on the stage all the time. But it's because they did the verb. They did the doing. That's our part. They lifted him up. They praised him. And it's not just a song service. Sing as if your life depended on it. And watch him change the atmosphere. Amen. Read your Bible. Pray. Praise him. Amen. I asked, Rick, I asked Pastor Rick to, uh, to come up and to close the service because he's so good at it. He's the best that I know of, and I, just, I couldn't do justice to what he can do. So he's going to do it. Amen. Give, give Miss Diana a clap offering. Praise God. Three beautiful things, power of the word, power of prayer, and the power of praise. And she delivered that. 
well done, well done, praise God. And I know that she used the idea of the verb and the doing. And so many times we're waiting for someone else to do for us. We're sitting, we're standing, we've, we're right where we're at and let somebody else lead uh, for us. Maybe we should uh, grab our own selves by the scruff of the neck every now and again and maybe even drag yourself into the presence of the Lord. Uh, those are times that we've all had. We're in our, in our soulish realm. We didn't feel it. And if we didn't feel it, then we don't move anything. We don't do anything. And I think sometimes you just have to grab yourself by the ear and pull yourself through. Um, Diane used to say, you know, sometimes I just didn't feel like worshiping, so I just had to move, I had to drag myself forward, and when I did, something happened, something clicked. And we, we never want to leave a service without giving people an opportunity to, to receive Jesus into their heart. And I, and I know just about everybody in the room, and I know that probably just about all of you are, are born again, you've already received Jesus into your heart, but... Uh, I don't want everyone to take anything for granted. Maybe you've been struggling in reading the Word, and it's just been like you've hit the wall. As a musician, I know what it's like to hit the wall. I just can't seem to write another lyric. I just can't seem to play the guitar in such a way that it's fresh now, and you've just come against the wall. Uh, or whatever it may be in your life where it's just like, I'm just stuck. And maybe you're stuck in the reading of the word. Maybe you've prayed so much and it didn't happen the way you prayed, the way you asked, and you're just like, why should I do that? I feel like all my prayers are just bouncing off the ceiling anyway, so why try? I'll let somebody else pray in my stead on Sunday. Uh, and then maybe the same with worship. Maybe it's just been like for so long you've just been stuck. And you're just, your feet, you're like you got concrete shoes on and you just can't seem to move. And then again, maybe you're here today and you're thinking, I've never accepted Jesus into my heart. It's one of the greatest things that you could ever do to get free in your heart. And it's a journey. It starts somewhere, but you got to start with the verb. you got to start with the doing. And maybe the doing this morning will be simply by lifting your hand and saying, I need you to pray for me. I want to, I want to give Jesus a try, okay? And this, that's not, this is not a hard sell where I'm going to stand up here and say, you don't accept Jesus, you're going to fry, you know? No, that's not. But how about, why don't you just give Jesus a try? You might find out that it's going to be a pretty doggone amazing journey for you. And sometimes it's, well, I don't understand. I don't get it. That's okay, you don't have to understand everything in the beginning because it's based on an act of faith that you accept Jesus into your heart. And we'll help you on that journey. We'll do our very, very best to help you discover what's next. So I'm going to ask you to bow your heads just for a moment. Close your eyes. This is out of respect to each other because this is often a very private moment. But if you're, if you're like saying, I, I don't totally get it, but I want to... I want to accept Jesus into my heart. I want, to, I want to figure out what it's like to turn my trust over to him. I'm just going to ask you to slip your hand up and then put it right back down. Is there anyone to say, Pastor, please pray for me today. I want, to, I, want to, I want to start this journey of learning to trust in Jesus, to learning to trust in something different than myself in my own little world. Is there anyone that would say, please Please pray for me today. God bless you. There's one. Yes, God bless you. There's two. I, I need to accept that. Is there anyone else that would raise their hand and say, i, I got to start sometime, and I'm going to start today. I don't totally get it. I don't totally understand it, but I want to start. There's, there's another hand right there. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Three people have raised their hands. so I want to pray with you today. So bow your heads, please, and close your eyes. Don't give up on it. 
I just feel inclined to pray for you. Father, there's three people that raised their hands this morning. You saw them already. In fact, you probably saw the ones that didn't raise their hands but wanted to. In fact, I know you did because you know everything. And Lord, I personally don't know where each of these three are at in terms of they don't know nothing about you or they're just like recommitting their lives or whatever. You know, God. You know. So meet them, Father, right where they're at right now. Let them have a sense, even this very moment, I can, I can tell he's touching my heart. I can feel that he's, something's different. And I pray that, Lord, in the name of Jesus for each of these three. And Lord, any others that are stuck, they're just stuck in the mud. They can't seem to get into their Bible and they just can't seem to find another time to kneel down and pray and they just can't find the motivation to do anything more than listen to the praise team and they want to now become more verb doing I pray for them today as well I thank you for that in the name of Jesus can you say amen